love Jesus this morning? Do you praise God for a 9 a.m. service? <laughs> so good to be here this morning. I was telling somebody I would go to the 9 a.m. service myself. It gives you the rest of the days, a lot of advantages. Then uh, I, just, I just think that then I might also, when I get to 1030, I might tell them I'd go to the 1030 service. So I'm just keeping it real. I like being at church. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about a couple things, um, and uh, a lot is going on here at the Avenue. We're excited to be doing life together, excited to be a part of so much that's happening, and I just want to take a second and shout out our dream team for pulling together and working so hard. Maybe you're new to the team and you jumped on a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago here recently and said, hey, I want to be a part of this as we expand, as we make room for more people, and I want to be on the dream team. Uh, our dream team is made up of volunteers who just serve, who give of all the, of their time and their energy and make all of this happen. Would you put your hands together and thank our dream team for working so hard and doing so much to make this possible that we're doing right now? amazing what we have going on here at the Avenue. If I didn't get to meet you when you came in this morning, I'd love to meet you on the way out. My name is Dave DeFrancesca, and my wife Tara and I have the amazing privilege of pastoring this church, and we're just excited about what God is doing right now. So much is happening, and so much is going on, and, uh, and we're just thrilled to be a part of it, and just thrilled to be here in this moment. We are in the middle of a series now. We've do we dove into this series a couple weeks ago. We're at part three, and just before we kind of uh, go into this next uh, collection of talks. I want to just throw out a couple thoughts here, a couple, a couple quick things uh, to you as well. Take note of a couple things that are happening because I believe that you have to be engaged with the church more than just on Sunday morning. So we have small groups that are happening. Our small groups are little pockets of people that get together throughout the week and they hang out. I got together with some guys, and we went to dinner at Buffalo Wild Wings, and we had fun Friday night, just some guys sitting around eating wings. Nobody's interested in Guys sitting around eating wings, like, on a Friday night. I, I was like, hey. Yeah, I, like, there's, there's, there, there, because there's more than just Sunday morning. There's so much happening. There's, there's small groups where you can be a part of things based on men or women or, or couples or together as a family. And I would encourage you to make sure you're stepping out of the lane that you're in and you're diving in. You're engaging uh, the avenue for all that it is in all those areas. You can find out more about small groups on the website or by scanning that QR code on the board in the back there. And you can get engaged and get connected to a group as well. Also, we have Growth Track that is happening soon again excited because we just had some people go through it. And what is Growth Track? That is basically how you onboard onto the avenue. You, you can become a member that way. You also can discover about yourself and learn who you are. There's a couple things that we, we talk to you about, and we just tell you about how the church and the vision of the church, you can really dive into the nuts and bolts of who the avenue is. It's your onboarding experience into serving on the and becoming a, a bigger part here at the avenue as well. And there's another way that you can we can continue to worship, and that is through giving as well. And so we consider giving to be an act of worship. And I, from the bottom of my heart, I just thank everybody that faithfully gives and continues to do so. Our dream teamers do an amazing job because of their contribution. And our small group leaders do an amazing job because of their contribution. And the contributions that we give of tithe and offering back to God, that we give back to Him, is amazing as well because it helps set the pace for what we can do and how far we can go. And we're able to do this right here because of those consistent factors in the church. And let me give you a quick story to tell you about what happens. Because as we were getting ready for church one week ago, 
a week ago right now as we were setting up two people serving our dream team were on their way to service in the morning for the morning service and as they're on the way here they're in a terrible car accident and as they were in this car accident it, we didn't know what hospital they were going to be rushed to we didn't know what was going on we were getting some details as they came in Cody plays in the band here and Mandy serves in hospitality in the back you would recognize both of them and as soon as we found out couple people, Aaron took off and went down to the hospital and then Jessica left after worship and she went down to the hospital because they have relationships and I got there after church with Tara and we sat with them and then other, each one of you throughout the week went and visited with them and there were broken bones and there was surgeries and there was a lot happening but I'm telling you in the middle of all that they were surrounded by family but they were surrounded by church family too and they said man thank you pastor so much because you have built a church that not only is there in word but is there with us as well in this moment and I didn't make those words up I didn't say that because hey I need something to talk about like it, it impressed me so much that somebody would say that and and would go and go beyond it and realize that this is the family you choose you're born into your natural family your spiritual family is your choice and so as you make a choice as to who you're going to do life with you realize what what I'm seeing what is happening and every time we serve every time we give amazing things happen because we can reach people and move them from where they are to the place that God wants them to be. So check out this picture right here. Throw that picture up of Mandy and Cody because they were scheduled to get married on Friday, September 9th. Right. They were on the books. The accident happened last Sunday. They called me and said, we still want to get married. They're in ICU. And we had a wedding in ICU on Sunday morning for two people that love each other and love God surrounded by the staff, surrounded by people, like we're all up in ICU, we're cutting cake and pouring sparkly bubbly juice and just having a great time. Why? Because people are plugged into a church, they love God, they're engaged in Him, they have a church family and they love each one of you and they send their thanks and I just thought what a privilege it is to represent each one of you and to do that ceremony. We're going to throw a big ceremony for them one day, a big celebration. We're going to have a lot of fun, but it's because of your faithfulness and your consistency that we see things like this happen at the Avenue. So excited about that and so many other things as well. Our students is another place you can get involved. Our Avenue students meet tonight. That is our teenagers. They meet at 5.30 at Cassie and, and um, Thomas Laird's house. And so just excited that you can get your teenagers plugged in with them as well. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. It says this, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We are in a series called DNA, which is culture setters. We're, we're letting you know who the avenue is. We're explaining and breaking it down in six weeks about what we do, how we believe, what we think. In week number one, we said Jesus is over everything. There's Jesus and then there's everything else. That's a culture setter for us. That's in our DNA. Last week was we believe in community. We're committed to community. You should be in community with spiritual family, with people. You should be doing life together. If you missed either one of those weeks, go back and watch them on YouTube. Go to the website. This morning, I want to talk to you about this idea, this subject that is controversial right now that is kind of being thrown out there right now, that's being deconstructed right now, that's being torn down by the world right now. But let me tell you, the Bible has withstood tests. 
The Bible has withstood storm. The Bible has withstood conversation. The Bible has withstood attacks. And the Bible will always stand true. And despite the attacks of the world to come against the word of God, I believe it's important to lay down a foundation sometimes and say, we will build our lives and we'll build this church on the Bible. Pastor, doesn't that sound a little bit old-fashioned? Doesn't that sound a little bit like antiquated? Like a little bit just, no, it does not at all. Why? Because the Bible has withstood for so long it can be counted on. It is tested, it is tried, and it is true. And my challenge this morning is for each one of us to not only build this church upon the Word of God, but to build your individual life and your family upon the Word as well. Can we pray? God, I thank you this morning for what you're doing in this space and inside our lives. God, we celebrate what you're doing in families here at the Avenue. Continue to do so much more through us and open our eyes to see you and our ears to hear from you in an amazing way this morning. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody say it. I spent several years doing general construction before I got into ministry. As a matter of fact, today is the 16-year anniversary of me being in full-time ministry. 16 years ago today, I was hired at a church in Dallas, and I've done full-time ministry, but I had done part-time bivocational ministry for years before that. And as I was doing that, I was doing general construction. So I was out there with a tool belt and, and hanging, hanging sheetrock and laying concrete and and roofing a lot of houses and doing a lot of work. And my dad had taught me the skill. As I got through college, I continued to work for a man, and we built houses in Florida. We actually put basements in in houses in Florida, which is backwards, but it was a hot cellar. He was on to something. And so I was able to, to, to do that throughout life. So I understand the word foundations a little bit. I understand site work. I understand that when you lay something down deep in the ground, doesn't get a lot of glamour. Nobody talks a whole lot about something when you, you ever go to hang a picture on the wall at home? This may be a dividing line because there's two people at home. There's somebody at home that will take the screw and just put it in the wall and then they hang the picture and they walk away. And then there's the rest of us that take out the tape measure, the pencil, the level, and then you go and you measure and you symmetrically place the screw so that it is in a stud or it has an anchor that's supported by something it is going to hold. And I don't know why they still make pictures with, you know, why can't they just make one in the middle so we can, but they still do. But you got to be able to, you got to have a foundation for that picture to hang. It's going to fall out. It's going to sag. It's going to, something's going to happen. It's going to be off center. As I was studying the word foundations, I came across a very interesting piece. One of the most popular tourist attractions in the world. Five million people annually visit the Leaning Tower of Pisa, originally built as a bell tower 900 years ago. 900 years ago, they built this. As they built this tower, they built it. It took 200 years. The first 100 years they built it, you'll see it here on the left. That is the, the, the Pisa uh, courtyard. There's a bell tower off to the left. There's a baptism and a, and a cathedral of sorts there. And as they did, they built this one part, which we know. See, we don't know what the names of the other two structures are all in this courtyard. But we know the Leaning Tower of Pisa because we understand it as a tower that leans. And as they built it, the first 100 years they built it, they put it up, they got there and they realized, hey guys, something's wrong. 
They, 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 I'm sorry, they, they, they got 100 feet up at first when they were building it, and they said something's wrong. As they went through the process, they go, hey, let's just quit, let's walk away, and for 100 years, it set as it was. After that 100 years, somebody else came along, they continued to raise it up higher, they got up higher, they couldn't quite fix it, and so they kind of went, uh-oh, what are we going to do now? It's still leaning at a two-degree angle. So somebody else came along, and they decided, if you look closely, that little piece at the top is straight up. They didn't fix the lean. They just made the top piece straight as if nobody would know. <laughs> the Italians, my people, okay? So now we have this tower. In 1990, they came along and said, we got to figure out what to do because people want to come see it because it's leaning. So they sunk down deep into the ground, tons and tons and tons of concrete down in the ground because it has a foundation problem. It is built upon sand. And as they realized that it's leaning, now it has a five-degree lean. When they went down and they fixed it, in 1990, they, they attempted to fix it. They closed it for a decade. They reopened it in 2000. And when they did, they said, guess what, guys? It'll be good for another 100 years. Like, like fix it for good, right? But they leave it that way because now people want to come see it as a tourist attraction because it was built on faulty foundation. You take another instance, or another, another building, another place. This building is the Burj Khalifa. Throw that other picture up. This building right here is impressive. It's 2,700 feet tall. It goes down 162 feet into the ground. It has 192 foundation lies, 12 feet thick slab, and 5 inch in diameter each one. At 2,700 plus feet in the air, it can stand and doesn't lean at a five-degree angle because it has a foundation that is set. Because this is what happens in life. Oftentimes, we're really worried about what we look like on the outside, and we don't put time invested on the inside. Because we're all about the display and not the depth. We're all about people seeing how good we look on the outside, but nobody is really concerned about how deep we can really go with our lives, with our families. We want our marriages to be seen. Man, you guys get along so good. You go so good together. You smile real big. You're always holding hands. And at home, you can't talk. At home, you don't spend time together. At home, you feel like you have nothing in common because you're not working on the depth of your relationship. You're just working on the display. And the church cannot be this way either. We cannot be a church that on Instagram we look good, on Facebook we look great. Hey, when you come in, oh, it looks cool. Y'all got these lights and these these cool keyboards and they sound so good. There has to be a depth to us as well that we know that when the storm comes, we're not going to be blown over. There will not be a great fall of the avenue because we have a foundation that is set on rock on Jesus Christ. And the Bible is a foundation you can build your life upon. There's a story about that actually in the Bible. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 says it this way. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the storms blew and the streams rose and everything came against it, and it beat against the house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation 
on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand and the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And it's not even like it fell and nobody heard. It fell and nobody saw. It fell and it wasn't recognized. It fell with a great crash. So what is the secret? What is the key? Jesus says those that build their life upon these words of mine. Those that build their lives upon the scripture, upon the Bible, upon a book that was written over the course of 1,500 years, three different continents, 40 different authors, and 66 different books in three different languages, and yet we can still build our lives upon this book. It is not old-fashioned, and it is not out of date. Actually, it is perfectly accurate archaeologically, geographically, historically, systematically, scientifically, prophetically, and miraculously. This book is still the book that we can count on, we can depend on, and we must build our lives upon. See, the devil will come along and he'll try to get you to do, he, he has a couple different tactics. He doesn't change a whole lot. He just throws a couple things out there. He throws out there these two sometimes, distraction and doubt. Let me distract you. Let me make you think that the Bible is out of date. Like the Bible doesn't really have anything to say about marriage. The Bible has a lot to say about marriage. Well, the Bible's just out of date because when it was written, there was a different context. No, the Bible still can stand true because the course of time it was written in, we can still go to the Bible and found our marriage and understand that marriage is between husband and wife and understand that marriage is, is, is a covenant with us and God. It is not to be taken lightly. It is a foundation that we can stand upon. It is a life that we can build ourselves upon. Your family can find security and strength building upon the rock of his word. You could take any subject you have going on in your life and you can build upon it. You can take anything that is happening in your life and you can build, but the distraction would come and, and it would rise up in doubt. But can you really? And, and that's the same way that the enemy attacked Jesus with temptation. But can you really, Jesus? And it would cause us to doubt the application of the Bible, doubt the reality of the Bible, doubt the practicality of the Bible, doubt that it's even current. You know, it's out of date. How many times have you heard, the Bible is out of date, the Bible is out of style, the Bible is no longer valid? And the enemy would try to cause roots of doubt and seeds of doubt to go down deep inside of us and hold us into this space that, that, you know what, there's some good things in there, but sometimes I don't know about the word because, it, you know, maybe it is a little bit old. He tried to get you to doubt. He tried to get you distracted. You know, we live some busy lives. Busy, busy, busy. Busy, busy lives. I'm at the point where I don't even like to use the word busy. How many of y'all hate the word busy? Because if you talk to somebody like, hey, you want to grab lunch? I'm kind of busy. And you immediately feel like every priority is greater than you. Everything it, that involves it is over you. Like, I don't even, I, I'm like, God, I don't want to be so busy. I don't want to be the busiest guy out there. I don't want people to see my busyness and interpret it as I'm working hard. I can work hard and yet not be busy all the time. 
I've got to have space and margin in my life. I can't be in a place of distraction so that I'm so busy I can't even take time to understand what the Word says. I don't have time to put myself in a small group and, and unpack the Bible with somebody else. I don't have time to make room that every Sunday morning I'm committed because I let busyness happen in my life. There comes a point sometimes when you have to carve out that Sunday morning at 9 a.m., it's in your calendar and nothing else gets in the way of it. Nothing else. That's my calendar. That's my item. That's my thing I have going on in my week. My small group is there. My personal devotion, my time spent reading the Word is a calendar item that I can hold to because the devil will come along and give you doubt and distraction to try to defeat you. So let me give you a couple keys couple keys to help us as we build our lives on this foundation. Number one, write this down. I'm going to read the Bible daily. That's deep. I know. Read the Bible every day. Pastor, you talk about this a lot. I'm going to always talk about this a lot. Read your Bible every day. If you don't have one, I'll buy one for you. I'll give you one. You can download the app on your phone. Read your Bible every day. Not because you have to, not because you're supposed to, not because, well, i am just got to check the box, but because do you eat every day? Yes. Do I fuel every day? Yes. Do I have a conversation with my best friend, in my case, my spouse, every day? Yes. I don't have time that I go without talking. I don't box her out and go, you know what? I don't have time right now. I wish I did. I really wish I had time to talk to you right now, but I don't. I got to run. I got a busy morning. It was a late night. I'll catch up with you tomorrow. No, that's insensitive. That's mean. That's cruel. That's not fueling my life. That's a lack of communication. That's too busy. I'm being distracted. So if that's the case, then why can't I carve out time? You know what the most uh, unhealthy way to eat is? The most unhealthy way to eat is unscheduled eating. It's not like a certain type or style. It's just that you just eat when you, oh, I'm so busy, I just, I grab something on the way out. And some days you eat lunch at noon, one, two, three. Sometimes you don't eat till four, and it's not because of intermittent fasting. It's just because you're so busy. The healthiest way to eat is scheduled eating, is knowing. But we have daily bread. Jesus said this, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So there is a measure that God is saying, I'm speaking, I need you to listen. And I wish that we would crave God's word the way we crave food. If you're on the dream team, we have a dream team party next Sunday night. And I heard that somebody is making a pot of jambalaya. And as soon as that word came out, and I've never had it in my life that I know of, but I'm excited about it. Because as we talked about it this morning, like some people started getting shook. Like they were just starting like, oh God, church hasn't even started yet and I feel something. <laughs> like they were just all up in it. Like and I was like, oh, that's going to be good. If you're not on the dream team, you should start quick. <laughs> you should get in fast. Next Sunday night, right back here at six o'clock, we're having a big pot of jambalaya. I think there may be a football game on. Like we're going to have a good time having a party. People crave that. I, might, I imagine once I eat it, I'm going to be like, Mike, you got any on the side? You can bring me a little spoon, like, you know, a little something. Why? Because we crave things that we really enjoy. What if we crave the Word of God that way? 
What do we crave? That we're, oh, you know what? I, I'm in a place in life where I just want to read it. And you don't read it for the sake of reading it. You read it because you're hungry for it and you want it. We have daily bread. Some of y'all eat daily bread every day when you watch Netflix, when you game, when you talk to people, when you work out, when you sleep. You have a daily bread, a routine that you walk through. You watch your shows. Is the Word of God a part of your daily routine? Is it a foundation that you can build your life on? Number two, write it down. Read the Bible. Read the Bible systematically. Don't just open it up randomly. You got clothes and you're like, okay, God, going to speak to me today. <laughs> Isaiah 14, 1. For, for the Lord will have compassion on Jacob and will again choose Israel. Oh, that. Like, it's so hard. Like, I didn't plan any of that. I just picked it up and opened it up and read. Like, you just pull it open, and you're like, oh, Jeremiah 17, the sin of Judah is written in pen and iron. Like, what does it mean? you got to read the Bible. With, now, now, if you're in the process of you reading it, and you're in that space, it makes a lot more sense. There's some depth to it that you have to understand the context that it was written in. You have to have a system behind you as you read it. I was really hoping to find something in, like, Song of Solomon. You know, like, just something awkward, but <laughs> if you know, you know. you got to understand that the Bible is not designed to be read that way. It's designed to be read as a book systematically. Now, you don't have to start at Genesis and end in Revelation. You should, but you don't have to do that all the time. But you can begin a book where it starts. So we have a four-year-old, loves dinosaurs, loves them. Dax loves dinosaurs. I don't know where it came from. I'm not sure where he got it from, but he's in love with them. He does dinosaur roars. If you listen quietly, you can probably hear one. They come out of nowhere. I talked when I went to school, we met the teachers. I said, hey, listen, inside voice dinosaur, because I know he's going to roar. It's not a matter of if, it's just when it comes out. I said, if you, when you roar, inside voice. And he went, Rawr. I said, exactly. <laughs> Apparently last week, he let out the outside voice in the inside voice. I'm like, you only got so many of them until it's not cute anymore. He will bring me books in the evening and say, hey, Dad, will you read this book to me? It's a dinosaur book. I'm like, sure. He brings it to me. He hands it to me. And when he does, he just opens it up in the middle, and he gives me this book. And I'm like, no, no, let's go to the beginning. Systematically. No, no, no. This is my favorite part. I want to read right here. Read right here. And I'm like, no, no, no. I got to start at the beginning, and we got to work our way to the end. Why? Because that's the way the book is designed to be read. It's the way the book is designed to be understood. So many people can't understand it because they start in the wrong place. It's not that complicated. Open up a book in the beginning. If it's Matthew, if it's Psalms, if it's Romans, start at 1-1. One, one. You know, the chapters and numbers, the, the verses, God didn't put them in. We added those in just so that we would be able to understand and give a little bit of space and margin. And they're there for your help and your assistance so you can go to chapter 1, verse 1, and start there and read it systematically. 2 Timothy says this, Study to show yourself approved to God. Study to show yourself to God as one that is approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. How good would it be able to say, I have the word of God and I know how to use it? So here's my challenge, because I don't want to just put all this theology out there, and you buy in, and you're like, yes, and you're like, okay, I'll try it. I guess I'll give it a whirl, and then there's no steps. 
So how many of y'all have the YouVersion app downloaded on your phone? You have your phone. You have your, if you don't, you need to get it. It's free. It's the Holy Bible. It says Holy Bible. Like it says Holy Bible. Life Church puts it out. It's free. On this, throw that slide up. On this right here, we are about to go through, as a church, a 90-day New Testament challenge. Each one of us. All you got to do is scan that code right there. Get your phones out. You're allowed. Pull your phone out. We'll post it online later as well. Scan this code. Together as a church, we are going to read the New Testament in 90 days. If you've never done it, dive in. Guess what? There's 112 days left in the year. 112. There's 90 days of reading. You got to crawl before you walk. There's a little bit of margin built in there. There's a little bit of space built in there. You may read ahead. You may read behind. You may be in a reading plan like I am. Do this as well. Let's do this together. Let's read together. When you click on this, you'll have an invitation. You accept the invitation. You'll be in that. All of us together. It's limited to 150 people. Get in now. Somebody might be on the outside looking in. If you don't have the app and you want to use your paper Bible, do that as well. Make it work. Join in. But let's read it. Why? We're not doing this because we have to. I'm trying to help build inside of you an appetite and a craving that systematically, I know, I read the Word of God. Because when you do, you check off that box. You check off a little box, and it's so beautiful to check that little box. It gives me so much joy to know that box is checked. Come on, y'all. You know that. Number three, write this down. Read the Bible inquisitively. Read it with the idea there's something for me to get out of it. I'm looking for gold. I'm believing for answers. I'm desiring understanding. I'm focused while I read it. Not while I'm parenting. Not while I'm watching TV. Not today while the game is on. But I'm reading it to learn. 2 Timothy says this, But as for you, as for you, Avenue Church, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how, infancy, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, the Word, the Bible, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, each one of you, the man, the woman, the child, the teenager of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You have a good work to do. You have a purpose. Are you equipped for it? And it comes from reading this word. It comes from diving into it and going into it and saying, hey, I got to get this thing in me. Because what really counts is not how much of the word you go through, but how much of the word goes through you. So here, let me help you. Let me help you. Throw these questions up there. Good questions to ask yourself. I'm telling you, super practical today. Good questions to ask yourself as you read the Bible. Is there a command to, to obey? Is there a promise to believe? Is there a good example to follow? Is there any sin to avoid? Is there anything I learned about God? Is there anything I learned about me? Is there anything I can thank God for? Is there anything in my life that needs a change to line up with the Bible? I'll post these pictures later online, uh, these, these questions. These are really good questions. Pull a few out. As you're reading through, ask yourself a couple of these questions, maybe all of them, and just say, I want to learn. I want to read it inquisitively. What in the Bible can I apply to my life today? Number four, read the Bible prayerfully. 
I love lists. Y'all like lists, like making lists? I like lists a lot. If I ever do what's not on the list, I add it to the list, and then I check it off. Like, that's, that's how much I, I love a good list. The Bible reading plan is not a list to just check off and be like, I'm done with it. Pray first. Take a moment. It's, and now you get intimidated. Well, how much prayer? No, no, pray. What if it was a simple prayer? God, I'm going to read your word. Speak to me right now. Jesus said, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Well, how does he say them to us? One of the major ways is through his word. And we have to ask the Holy Spirit, would you speak to me inside of this? The good news is that the Spirit of God will teach and encourage you. I love coming on Sunday morning. I love hearing somebody communicate. I love getting a good podcast, a good YouTube. I love listening to sermons. But I love opening up the Word of God and having the Spirit of God speak to me through the Bible. I found my life. And number five, the last one, apply the Bible daily. Daily reading will lead to daily application. In our story, Jesus said it this way, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. So when the rain came, he was good. When the issue happened, he was good. When the choice was made by the spouse that you wouldn't choose, he was good. When the bank called, he was good. When the job failed, he was good. When life came against him, he was good. When life was not, the house was good because the foundation was good. It is important for you to understand you must be founded. You have to know. James says it this way. He says, get rid of all this moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. And that, that can save you. Do not merely just listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Apply it every day. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do it is like somebody who looks in the mirror, after looking at himself, goes away, and he immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently, inquisitively, desiring into the word, the perfect law, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, applying it. They will be blessed in what they do. How many of y'all have gym memberships? Come on, a few of us. How many of y'all have ever paid on one and not gone? How many of y'all know somebody that pays on one? doesn't go. How about this person? They pay on the gym membership. They go to the gym, but they don't work out. And they got the workout clothes. They got the hat and the shoes. They got the cool neon shirt and shorts combo that matches. They got the whole deal. They even walk around high-fiving, good to see you. I'm at the gym, glad to be here, taking pictures in front of the mirror, flexing a little bit, getting just the right shot. You know the person because they take the same picture 25 times until they get it just right. And then they leave. Never picked up a weight. Never benched anything. Never did a sit-up. Never got on the treadmill. Never applied it. Only were there. And this is what we do at church sometimes. This is what we do at reading the Bible sometimes. We're here. We're present. 
but we're not applying it. We're in it just to get through it. As you go through the 90 days, listen to me. You may not complete the whole reading for the day. Get something out of it when you do. That is the goal. The goal is to get something every day, a nugget, something that nourishes you, that feeds you, that you can eat up of that goes, ah, that was what I needed for today. Because daily application leads to spiritual transformation. And when we do, write this down, we don't change the Bible to match our lifestyle. We change our lifestyle to match the Bible. And this is what is happening in the world today, is people want to change the book to meet the way they want to live. But the Word of God must change me. I am required to change my life so that my life matches the book. And when I look in the mirror of his law and his word, it's life-giving. It's not depleting. It doesn't ask for me what it won't give to me. It'll remove the sin, and it'll come in and sustain me, and it will be life-giving to me, and I can build my life upon it, and I can found my life upon it, and I can stand upon it. It's accurate. It's true. It's strengthening. I can build my life upon his word. Bring me out one of them cinder blocks. I got these blocks, these illustrations. Which one's the first one? Romans 5.8. Come on, how many of y'all know Romans 5.8? You can build your life on Romans, one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. One of my favorite scriptures that we have. But God demonstrated his love for me that while we were still sinners, Christ died for me. That while I was still in my sin, God demonstrated, oh, I can found my life upon this word. I can build my life upon this so that when all hell comes against me, I can go, but God, when I was in my sin, you still loved me then. And I can build my life and I can get founded. Come on, bring me another one. Bring me another brick. Throw another one up here. What's the next verse we have? 2 Timothy 2.19. Throw that up there. I didn't get this one memorized. Put this on the screen. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Oh, we're talking about foundation. Isn't that ironic? God's solid foundation stands firm. Seal with this inscription. The Lord knows who are his when you're going through life, when things are happening, when people have left you, when the world is against you, when your marriage is in chaos, when you don't know what you're going to do for friendships. You found your life on the word and say, the Lord knows who are his. And I'm God's, and I belong to him. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. What a foundation I can, come on, bring another one. What a foundation I can have in my life to know I can stand on this word. Matthew 6, 33. Come on, Matthew, some of y'all know this one. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. So when I'm in a fight, when I'm in a struggle, when I'm being tempted, Come on, Aaron, when I'm tempted, that I, I, I don't know. Maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I don't want to put God first right now. No, no, I go back to the Word. I go back to the Scripture. Seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Oh, so the things that God wants me to have, I will. Romans 8, 1. Come on. Here's another good one. Therefore, now there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Oh, man. You ever been convicted of sin that has been forgiven? You're walking through and you got your past being thrown in your face? 
and the enemy is trying to shame you and he's trying to tear you down and you sign up to lead a small group and you're about to have people come over your house and the enemy sneaks up in that little voice and goes, how dare you think you can do something great? You can lead something. You know who you are. You know what you did. You better have a rock or you'll have a great fall. You better have a foundation you can stand upon and say, no, 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 no. Because I am forgiven, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And I can stand on his word. That's why it's vital. You have to know the scripture. You have to know what's in there. You have to know what is available. I love this one. Nahum 1-7. How many of y'all know Nahum 1? Come on, you know. Look at your neighbor and go, you know. Some of y'all don't even know what I just said. Nahum who? Nahum is a minor prophet in the Bible. Listen to this verse. The Lord is good. When life is not, God is good. When I am not, God is good. A refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Come on, let's keep building this thing. We got a couple more. Turn it over. Thank you. Psalm 34.1. His praise will forever be on my lips. I will bless the Lord. I will extol the Lord at all times. I love this scripture. Because there's times I don't want to bless something. There's sometimes I don't want to say what's good about something. And sometimes when life happens, I may or may not want to have to use, I, I, maybe, maybe I just, you know what, God, that's really difficult sometimes to live my life, but I'm going to adapt. I'm going to build my life so that, you know what, I can bless God at all times. His praise will forever be on my lips, no matter how good or bad life seems to be. You got another one? See, we're building we're building. Ephesians 4.29. This one matches this one a lot. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. I know we want to go back to when, like, God is good, right? Go, go back to them other scriptures. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. What a verse. But if you don't read, we don't know. And if you're not in the Word, you don't understand that part of my life is adapting to this. Let no unwholesome talk come out of my mouth. You got one more? Here's one for you, mom and dads. You need to claim this. Parents need to stand on this. They need to believe God for it. They need to hold for the truth of this, that if you train up a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they will not depart. Train up your children. You have them founded in the Word. You're reading the Bible with them. You're teaching them the Scriptures. You're opening up His Word. You're teaching them about who Jesus is. You're letting them know about the love of God. You're training them over and over. It's not wasted. It's not lost. It's not forgotten. Maybe they don't seem to be getting it, but it is the Word of God. And the promise of God is when they were old, they will not depart from it. They'll come back to it. Maybe not when they're teenagers. Maybe not when they're young adults. But at some point, the Word of God will have its way in their life. And there's moms and dads in here right now that need to build a foundation on that Word. But if you don't read it, you don't know. 
We could use scriptures all day. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything? Everything? Everything. It's a foundation that you can live by. You can stand by. And the world will come and go. Ideas will come and go. People you vote for will come and go. People you vote against will come and go. Your friends will come and go. Things in life will come and go. I will come and eventually go, and so will you. The Word of God will still remain. That is why the link between me and my children must be the Word of God, because I won't always be there, but the Word will. And the foundation of the Bible for them will become the foundation for my grandchildren and generations to come because it is a foundation that withstands everything. I don't adapt. I do adapt my life. I don't need the world to remind me, to tell me, to try to convince me. It's out of date. It's sure. It's steadfast. Would you stand with me? There's a couple verses right there I believe I read that probably stood out to you, popped out to you. Maybe they meant something different to each one of us. But this morning, we're going to pray in just a moment. And I want you to just know there's a verse in the Bible for you that means something to you, that has something in it just for you in your life and what you're going through right now. But if you don't ever crack open the book, you may never find out what it has to say about the moment and the situation you're in. It takes work. Going into the refrigerator, opening it up, pulling out the ingredients, putting them all together, and you're fed, and you eat. It takes work. It takes time. You value it because you're strengthened by it. And I want this church to be strengthened by the Word of God. We put a lot of things in our daily bread. I get it. Life is going on all around us. And none of those things I mentioned are out or wrong. But they're also in moderation. And they must always come second to the word of God. Jesus over everything. Would you close your eyes with me and pray for a moment? I'm going to invite our prayer team to come down to the front. Maybe in this moment right now you say, God, I need you. I need you to come into my life and start from square one. I need a savior and I need your forgiveness and your grace. I need to turn from my sin and surrender and turn my life over to you. Maybe today you're ready to make a commitment like you've never made before and just say, I'm going to do this 90-day New Testament challenge. I'm convinced we're going to have a lot of people do it. What if you went through 90 days and you got 45 days in? That may be 45 more days than you ever have before. What if you got all 90 in and you went, that's unbelievable. I did it. There's been many times I do a one-year Bible, and I don't finish until March, but I started in January. There's a few times I finish in December. It's not about going through it for the motions. It's about going through it so it goes through you. Maybe today you're just ready to dive in and say, I'm making a commitment. I'm going to found my life on the Word of God. If that's you, I want to pray with you. 
And I think there's people here today that have just been fighting over a couple thoughts, a couple issues, and you've been trying to ignore certain parts of the Bible and say, you know what? I don't know that that really, I don't have to. I can live 90%. And I'm going to ask you one more time. Will you live your life where your life has to submit to the Word and whatever it instructs us to do, that is the application we make to fully surrender and live before Him. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to bless you in Jesus' name. And if you want prayer, you can come down here to the front. One of these guys would love to pray with you. Would you pray this prayer across this room? Pray it out loud. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Use my life. Plant your word down deep inside. Give me a desire to crave it and to apply it daily. I want you in my life, and I will adjust to what your word says. In Jesus' name. Everybody say it. And come on, put your hands together and just celebrate real quick. I love, love, love what God is doing.